Today, we're going to talk about uh, the third reality in just a minute. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever received, have you ever received a great invitation? A great and awesome, awesome invitation. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, have you ever got one? Uh, when I was in um, a single pastor at the church in Florida, um, Pensacola, my wife and I, you know, were newly married. And uh, I was a single pastor dealing with singles and all that good stuff. And, and um, one of our singles, you know, they were engaged. Um, and they come to me, you know, one day and said, Scott, we're engaged and we want to get married. <clears throat> and we would like for you to do the wedding. And that's not unheard of. I did tons of weddings down there with a large church. And I felt like I did about 10 weddings a year. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do your wedding. No problem. And um, he said, well, there's one catch. And uh, the, the wedding is going to be in Aruba. And it's just going to be me and my, you know, my bride. And we want to fly you and your wife down there. You do the wedding. And, and then you guys, you know, on our dime, just have a great week. And I'm like, that's a great invitation, right? I mean, that is an awesome, awesome invitation. And so I'm like, hey, we'll make it happen. You know, I'll be there. You know, Aruba, I'm there. I've never been there, and I want to go. So, um, and so we're in the premarital counseling and, you know, trying to get them ready for the big day, you know. And uh, I'm doing all the research about Aruba. Getting, you know, I'm, playing, I'm more excited about the, the, the destination than the wedding, you know. And, and uh, it's really exciting. And then I get a phone call from the, from the groom, you know, from the, from the guy. And he said, hey, Scott, I got bad news. I said, yeah, what's up? We broke up. Worst breakup of my life. <laughs> We're terrible. We're terrible. Great invitation went nowhere. Nowhere. And some of us, you can experience, you experience some great invitations. You know, maybe not that great of an invitation to Aruba, but maybe you've got some great invitation you could share. Maybe you've got some invitation that you got. You were like, oh, man, this is not where I want to go. <laughs> Have you ever received one of those? You know, for example, um, a good invitation might be, hey, why don't you join me downtown for dinner? That's a good invitation. Uh, a bad invitation would be, hey, why don't you join me downtown for jury duty? Bad invitation. All right? A good invitation is a trip to Bermuda or to the Bahamas, you know. But a bad invitation is a trip to the back room with your friendly TSA agent on your way to Bermuda. All right? That's not so great, right? A good invitation is that you're invited to your kids' award ceremony at school. A bad invitation is when you're invited to your child's principal's office at school. Uh, you know that's not going to be good. Well, there are invitations that we like to receive, and there are invitations that we don't necessarily want to receive. But today, there is one invitation I want to talk about that you do not want to miss in your life. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is accepting the invitation that God has for you to be involved in his activities. On the screen behind me, you see the diagram, and on the top you see the seven realities 
of experiencing God. Seven biblical truths of discovering and doing God's will. The very first one, the very first reality we talked about a couple weeks ago was to understand that God is at work around us. And there was something we just had to understand and see. The second reality last week we talked about that God pursues a deep relationship with you and I, that he loves us, he wants us to to know him in a very real and personal way. And both of those two realities are so important to your life, but they're also really important for what we're going to tackle today. And that's that third reality, reality number three, that God invites me and you to become involved with him in his work. To invite him to be a part of what he is doing. If you want to know and do God's will in your life, the reality that we need to awaken to is that God is inviting you, is inviting me to become involved with him in his work. And the moment that you became a child of God, the moment that you believe that Jesus is the Lord of Lord, and that from that point forward, when you have that relationship with Christ, God begins to invite you and me to be a part of his work, of helping bring people back to him. And you may be like, well, God, how do I see this invitation? Right? How do I see the invitation? This past summer, um, we, we bought a new family vehicle. You know, the car that we had was just kind of on its last leg. And, um, and so we knew that we needed to replace it. And, and, and so uh, we were looking around and we thought, no, a good vehicle for our family would be the, the Chevy Traverse. How many of you have a Chevy Traverse? Anybody in here? All right, all right, we got a couple. Okay, cool. All right, and so we had the Chevy Traverse. We thought, you know, let's do some research on there because, you know, I wasn't too familiar with the car. All right, and check it out. We researched, we went to the, to the dealership, we drove, you know, did a test drive. And the funny thing is this. I'd never really seen a Chevy Traverse before, but all of a sudden, they're everywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh man, there's a Chevy Traverse in the, in, in, on my way to work. You know, there's a Chevy Traverse, you know, in that shopping center that I always go to. Huh, my neighbor got a Chevy Traverse. You know, you never saw it before, but the moment that we were committed to buying one, well, they were everywhere. They were everywhere, and the same is true with our relationship with God. The moment that we commit to God to do his will and to be a part of his work, our eyes begin to open up. Our eyes begin to open, and we begin to see God working everywhere, all around us. And when we do, when we see it, that's God's personal invitation to join him in his work. John chapter 5, verse 17 Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Verse number 19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because what the father does, the son also does. So Jesus had his eyes open. He's paying attention. He's looking for where the father the heavenly father is at work. Verse number 20, Jesus goes on. For the father loved the son and shows him 
All he does, he opens his eyes. Yes, and he will show him even greater work, greater work than these, so that you will be amazed. Jesus says that God is at work around me all the time. Now I'm looking to see where God is working because I want to jump in. I want to be involved where he's at. I want to be where he's at. And God wants this spirit. God wants you to experience the same exact thing. He wants to show you what he's doing around you. He wants to awaken you up so that you can see where he's at, so that you can join God where he's at. By the way, this is a personal invitation. It's just as personal as that personal invitation to Aruba that we never made. I'm still looking to go to Aruba. I've done all the research. I'm still <laughs> ready to go. By the way, if you want to invite me to a destination wedding to Aruba, I'll be your man. But God has a personal invitation just like that with your name on it. A personal invitation. In fact, another way we might say this is God calling. We've heard that phrase, the calling of God. God calling your life. God's invitation in your life. In a lot of ways, a lot of, a lot of similarities. I'm going to kind of look at that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this from a Roman prison, probably around 60, 61 AD. He said this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, I urge you, what he's trying to say, I plead with you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. God, Paul saying here, he said, I'm pleading with you to live a life, just one life that you've been given, to lead a life that's worthy of the calling that you have from our God. And if you just want to, if you can't just for a minute, I want you to elbow bump somebody if you like, or just look at the person next to you, and I want you to say, hey, you've been called by God. I want you to do that right now. Come on, interact, engage. All right? Hey, if you're watching on the, online, just type in the chat, I'm called I'm called by God. And when you said that, listen, when you start to really say, I am called by God. I am called by God. If that resonates with you somehow, some way, and I pray that it does. If it resonates with your spirit, it, it's because you sense in the heart of hearts, you sense a, a deeper calling a purpose, a divine destiny. Because you know, you know that no matter what you achieve in this world, that no matter what you obtain in this world, that no matter how you define success, you know that there's something in you that's much deeper than that. Much deeper. That you crave something more spiritual with lasting eternal significance. The calling of God. You're not just going through the motion, but you, my friend, are called by God. And we're asking the question, how is God inviting me to be a part of what he's doing? How is God calling me to, to live the life that he has for me? And perhaps the bigger question that you might be asking is, does, does God even want to call me? And I answer that with a resounding yes. Our God is calling you. And what does it mean to be called 
by God. The word calling in the Greek is a very uh, important word in the New Testament. It's the word kaleo. Kaleo is how you would say it, and it simply means to call. To call. By the way, th- that word kaleo is used in so many other words, Greek words, it's like a root word um, throughout, the, throughout the scripture, throughout the New Testament. Another one is the word ecclesia. That's the word for gathering. It also really means ecclesia, what did that kaleo in that word, all right? It means to be called out. You know, that's the church. That's the word for church. Word to be called out. To be called out for God, all right? And so kaleo means to call. And when you begin to recognize that you have been set apart by God, chosen by God, you've been gifted by God, you've been called by him to make a difference. When you recognize that, it begins to put a little weight on you, doesn't it? It begins to put a little, you know, uh, weight on your day. Because you're called by God, and you might be wondering then, I said, what, what, what if I missed my calling? You ever wonder that? What, what if I made the wrong choice? What if I was supposed to go to this college and the pandemic happened, and I'm not at that college now because everything's online. What if I missed my calling? Or what if I was supposed to study this, this degree, and I, I got the wrong degree? Or what if I was supposed to, you know, pick this career, and I chose the wrong career? What if? We played the what if game. What if I, you know, what if I took a wrong turn on my way to somewhere, and on that wrong turn by accident, I got stopped by a train, and now my whole, you know, my whole calling's all messed up. I'm confused here, right? You're like, man, did I miss it? Did I miss it? What if I missed my calling? What is it specifically, if I'm called by God, what am I called? What am I called to do? It must be something big, right? It must be something important. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. That you and I need to embrace the truth that your calling it's about who you are before what you do. It's about who you are before what you do. When God calls you, he's calling you to a who before he's calling you to a do. Who before do. And this is crazy important. I love the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He said it. For God, he, he saved us and called us. And, and let me pause here. Let me say what Paul did not say. Paul did not say, for God saved you and called you to be a missionary in Africa. Now, he might, it might lead to that, but that's not what Paul says. He didn't say, hey, you're called to be a second grade teacher. It might lead to that, but that's not what Paul says. Paul didn't say that you're called to a task or to a job. What he said is this. He said that God saved us, and he called us to live a holy life. Who before do? Who before do? He said he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time 
to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And this is why we talk about reality number two last week. God is pursuing you in a real, in a personal relationship with him. He called you and I to live a holy life. In other words, a calling is as much about who you're becoming as it is about what you're doing. A calling is about who you're becoming as it is about what you are doing. And you're called, according to, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, we're called to be holy. To be holy. In the Greek, that word holy, it means to be set apart. To be set apart, to be different. In other words, as you follow Jesus, you don't look like the world, you don't act like the world, you don't think like the world, you don't behave like the world. You've been set apart by God, you've been called by Jesus, infused with the power of the Holy Spirit of God to live a holy life. Now it's interesting to me that when you look at the scripture, it never talks about your calling for a career. Have you noticed that? It never talks about a calling for a career. Here's what we see. The Bible talks about your calling to become like Jesus. To become like Jesus. That's your calling. It's a who before it's a do. So when you recognize that you're called by God, don't start with the question, God, what am I called to do? The better question is to ask, and the start with this question is, God, who am I called to become? Who am I called, God, to become? Let me, let me try to unpack this for you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room, you might suggest that I am called, that Pastor Scott is called to be a, you know, is called to preach the gospel? Raise your hand. Hi, hi. Some of you didn't raise your hand, so I'm kind of a little bit uh, hurt. You know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. All right. My feeling is fine. It's not a trick question. But many of you say, hey, I, yes, you're called to be a pastor. You're called to preach the gospel. Let me ask you another question. How many of you might suggest that I'm also called to be the husband of my wife? All right. Yeah. I, okay. So you're on board with me. All right. Now that role of who I am, you know, and, and who is being a, a husband, you know, takes a very different skill set and expression to fulfill that calling, to be the husband, to be the husband of, of Karen. It's different, different skill set to being the calling of who I am as a pastor. For example, if Karen and I, now let's just say we're having a constructive conversation. <laughs> you know what that means, right? Push your talk for argument. But we're having a constructive, a constructive conversation, and at the end of it, at the end of the constructive conversation, I say, for those of you who need to repent and call on Jesus, you know, just raise your hand all over the room. I see your hands there. I see your hands there. God bless you. God bless you. If I did that at the end of my conversation with Karen, I'd be the one repenting and calling on Jesus. 
because that approach isn't going to be effective because it, it's a different set of calling here. So I'm called to be a preacher, yes. I, I'm called to be a husband, yes. I'm also right in this moment today, I'm, I've got two little kids to call me dad. I think I'm their dad, right? Yeah, yeah I'm dad, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the doghouse. Uh, don't tell my kids. Hi. They're my kids. I've got two kids. Nathan and Abigail, they call me dad every day. All right? And I'm their father. I'm called today to be their dad, to be their father. And, and, and I'm, I'm still the same person, yet I've got a different expression of the caller. What I hope you recognize, here's what I hope you recognize. In your own life, is that who you are, it's way, 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 way more important. It's way more important to God than starting with what you do. In other words, if I'm called to be a preacher, and yet I'm not, live, yet I'm not living a holy life set apart for God because I'm called. We're called, right? We're called to be holy. We're called to holiness. And if I'm called to be a preacher and I'm not living a righteous life, I'm not living a holy life, then I'm not fulfilling my calling that God has me right now. If, if, if I'm called to be Karen's husband and I'm called to be my kid's father, but I'm neglecting them, and I'm not living a righteous life, and I'm not honoring them, then I'm not fulfilling my calling as a, as a husband and as a dad. And I hope you understand it, that your calling isn't about something important that you do in the future. Your calling is about your faithfulness to Jesus today. Because here's what happened in this calling, because I, I hear all the time, that I don't know where God's calling me, and I worry about what's happening five years and ten years down the road and where it's going to be. And God never said to focus, hey, five years and ten years down the road. You focus on what I'm calling you today. Be faithful now. Be faithful today. Recognize who you are. I see I see you, some of you in here, your father, your mother, husband, wife, children, some of your kids, a son, daughter. You know, you're a worker, you're the boss at your company. You know, or you're an employee at your company. Here at Lake Point, you say, hey, I, I serve a role. That's who I am today. And I'm going to do everything I can in every area of those lives. And that's what God has me right now. I'm going to be faithful today to live holy lives, to be set apart. I'm a child of God. The Apostle Paul, he said something here. So important to your calling. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. Calling is not just about a specific, unique do. It starts with the who. Then you're living a holy life, set apart for God. Then whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. Do it for God. You do it for him. 
be faithful to God in the moment, no matter what it is. You be faithful today, part of your calling. Don't worry about the future. Don't get hung up on the future. Focus on what God has for you right now. Now, Mark chapter 10 and Mark chapter 11, two stories. I really want to focus on Mark chapter 11, but very important I give Mark chapter 10 a little, you know, a, a prelude to chapter 11. In Mark chapter 10, there are two brothers, James and John. The Bible tells us that these were the, the sons of thunder. Man, it feel like I'm, you know, I'm reading something, you know, in a WWE magazine, WWF, right? I mean, these were the sons of thunder, you know? And these guys, you didn't want to mess around. Hey, if you're the sons of thunder, that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty cool, hey, that's my nickname. I'm the sons of thunder. You know, we're, we're brothers, and we're ready to rumble, all right? And so these guys right here, James and John. Uh, you can just imagine a picture. They, they come up to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, uh, and they ask Jesus for a little favor. All right? And, and, and in this chapter, we're not looking at the verse, but you know the story. They say, hey, Jesus, one day, you know, when you're, when you're at your throne, you know, when you're ruling the universe, uh, can one of us sit on your left and the other sit on your right? We kind of want to be up there with you. You know, when people see you, we want them to be thinking about us too. We want people to be like, hey, this James, this John, the son of thunder, all right? Can we do that, Jesus? That'd be kind of cool. Can, can you, you know, make sure that happens? You know, just a little favor. <laughs> Sound like a big favor, but a little favor. We want to be important. And Jesus looked on and he gives them a little message here in chapter 10. He said, if you want to be a leader, first you need to be a servant. He said, if you want to be really important, if you really want to be first, the first thing you need to do is to be last. Jesus is saying, listen, you need to have a heart of a servant. I'm more about who you are rather than where your position is. About who you are. Now that's Mark chapter 10. James and John, the sons of thunder. Next chapter, Mark chapter 11. This is a very uh, famous passage. Jesus and his disciples uh, together again. And they're approaching Jerusalem. And this is in this chapter where Jesus comes in on a donkey and they're laying down the palm branches. We call it the triumphant or triumphal entrance. All right, and, and man, what a moment. I mean, Jesus knew that he was going into Jerusalem for the last time before he would die on the cross. He knew that. But the disciples, they didn't know that. Although they should, but they, they didn't pick up on that. They're really excited. They're like, oh, man, we're part of this. You know, the, you know, the paparazzi and the crowd. And, man, we're kind of rubbing shoulders with, with, with Jesus and, you know, the miracle worker. You know, I mean, man, this is pretty awesome. Man, we gave up our job. We left our career to follow Jesus. Man, it's all coming to a full head. I mean, I'm sure the disciples are, woo, this is a, man, this is a powerful moment. Not knowing that a few days later, there's any people that were crying out Hosanna to the king are now crying out a few days later, crucify him. 
right? And so that's the story, right? So let's look at the beginning of the story. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to a couple of suburbs, town, Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus, he sent two of them on ahead. Now, what's interesting here is that, that Mark doesn't tell us with two. But, and I may be speculating here, but if I were Jesus, I can guarantee you that two days just asked me to be so important in chapter 10 would have very likely been the object lesson for chapter 11. That would have just been me. All right, so I believe in my heart that I think it's James and John that Jesus handpicked. And sent him out on his assignment. And, and he, said, he, he said, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're, he's going to send them out ahead. And you know what the James and John, the sons of thunder, what they're thinking. All right, man, we just got handpicked. Man, we're about to go out and do something really, really important. I mean, he's going to want to go in there in, in that little town and, 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 and call down fire from, from heaven and burn up the evil Roman Empire. Man, he's going to use that to cast you know, demons. Man, we're going to get in there. We're going to have some following. We're going to have some clout. We're going to have a little bit of fame because of our capacity, because of our name, because we're the sons of thunder. I mean, come on. I mean, he's using that for our leadership skill. Man, this is awesome. This is our moment. He, Jesus handpicked us. But here's what Jesus said to them. Look at verse number two. Go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Uh, if anyone asks, now, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. And he'll return it soon. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus, come on. <laughs> we left everything to follow you. Where's our important assignment? Our big calling? Where do we get the visible recognition? Where do we get some clout, some fame, and a little bit of attention? Where do we get some of the uh, 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 attention from everybody? Where do we get that? Come on, Jesus, where are you? You want us to do donkey duty? <laughs> You're picking us to do donkey duty? Come on, we're the sons of thunder. Donkey duty. Here's the lesson I hope you understand. The size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. The size of your assignment, the very thing in that moment that God might be calling you to do and inviting you to do, it may not feel important in the moment, but could be more significant than you could ever imagine. Just like a little shepherd boy in the Old Testament who found a little, little stone and he determined that that small stone can take out a really, really big giant. Just like a little boy in the New Testament who took his little lunchable and gave it to Jesus. 
And Jesus took that little, little lunchable and, and, and took something that, that was that small, something that didn't seem very insignificant, and he took it apart to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children. My friend, you're set apart by God. You're chosen by God. You're called by God. And whatever you do, even if it's donkey duty, you do it with faithfulness. You do it with passion. You do it with integrity because of who you are. Because of who you are. You do it for the one who gave it all for you. It's so much more about the who than it is about the do. You want to find your calling? What am I created to do? Number one, start with the who. Start with the who. Recognize, first of all, I'm a child of God. If you have ever asked Jesus to come in your heart, you're a child of God. Recognize that. You're called to live a holy life. Then just look where you're at. My life, I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a co-worker during the week. That's where I'm at. And so I'm going to be faithful to Jesus who I am today. That's number two. Start with the who. Be faithful to Jesus today. Live a holy life in every capacity that I'm in. Number three. I'm going to start asking God. Say, God, show me today what you want me to do. In my, in my orbit of who I am. Show me today. Invite me to opportunities. Even if it's donkey duty, I want to be available. That's a prayer you've got to pray. That's a prayer that you've got to ask God. Say, God, today as I go about my day, as I go about being a, a boss, as I go about being a, a dad, uh, a, a son, uh, as I go about being a co-worker, a friend, a wife, whoever you are. So as I go about today, show me what you want me to do in this moment. Show me. Even if it's donkey duty, because the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. And as you open your eyes to God's work around you, no matter the size, even if it's donkey duty, as you seek to do everything for the glory of God, here's what happens next. You don't have to find your calling. Your calling finds you. God begins to open the opportunities. He begins to show the work. He begins to show you you begin to start to see, just like I started seeing Chevy Traverse everywhere. You start to see God at work. And it's inviting you to come. By the way, you know you have those, those moments, those small windows of opportunity. You know what we do sometimes? We've already prayed and asked God for the opportunity. Then we see the opportunity, you know what we do? Oh, I need to pray about it. It's just... Uh, You've already prayed about it. If you wait too long, you're going to miss the opportunity. Because God's already answered the prayers that you already prayed for. 
And he said, man, I see an opportunity. It's a little bit uh, inconvenient. It's a little bit out of my way. It's going to take some extra time. And by the way, ministry always, always takes time and always costs you something. But you're calling. You're calling. And your calling will find you. This is part of the experience in God's journey. You begin to see God's activity. He invites you to step into your calling. Your eyes begin to open up to donkey duty everywhere. It may be, you know, you wake up one day and God put on your heart, you know, that someone has hurt and someone has a need. And you begin to pray for that person. You begin to say, hey, what can I do to help that person? Maybe you go to that person and say, you know what, I don't know why I'm talking to you today, but I feel like God has called me to do this. And I'm here for you. How can I help you? There's someone that you might be called right now to love a spouse that's really, really difficult to love. You're a husband or your wife. You say, you know what, I'm going to love my spouse for the glory of God. I'm going to do everything I can for his glory. That's who I am. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. You might be called to pray for a child that continues to run from God. If you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a stay-at-home dad, and you say, man, I've got all this education, and I was, everything was going, and COVID happened, and I'm not really doing what I, what I went to school for. I'm at home, I'm homeschooling, you know, my kids. Uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, God has called you just to be at home with your kids, to love on your kids. Maybe that's the reason. You're called to love them with the love of Jesus. You might be called to fight for your marriage when the spouse you're with doesn't seem to have any fight for it. But you're called to fight for your marriage. You might be called to build a business. And you might say, well, that's not very spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual. Incredibly. Don't let anyone, anyone ever tell you that it's not spiritual. Jesus was so excited when a man turned five talents into ten talents. You build that business, my friend, with integrity with passion, with faithfulness, and you're honoring God. Remember, you do it all for the glory of God. It starts with the who. What am I called to do? It starts with the who. I'm called to live a holy life. To live a holy life. As we close, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We started first already, but I want you to see it one more time. Again, the Apostle Paul is in prison, falsely accused, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord. Do you know what I love about this? If Paul recognized the who before the do. He said, man, I didn't ask to be a prisoner. This wasn't in my plan to be a prisoner. I didn't wake up one day and say, man, it would be a great thing to be a prisoner one day. Man, that'd be awesome. To be chained up to a Roman guard 24-7. But in this moment, Paul's like, you know what? I'm a prisoner. That's who I am right now. Not what I asked for, but where God placed me today. And I'm going to be faithful in the moment. And then he said, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, wherever you're at. Whether you're a prisoner, I don't think we have any prisoners in here. You know, but if you are, you're served. By the way, we got people I know doing prison for something they did. But why they're in prison? They're doing Bible studies, making a difference behind doors that you and I could never step into. 
Paul said, listen, I'm a prisoner. I'm going to lead a life worthy of my calling. For I've been called by God. He recognized his calling in that moment. A prisoner of the Lord. Where most of us, we might be angry, frustrated, mad at God. Paul, while he was in prison, wrote most of the New Testament. Some of the most beloved letters. Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians, and Colossians. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. All while he was in prison. My friend, I invite you to embrace your calling today. And once you do, open your eyes. Pay attention to the world around you. Because God is dropping donkey duties after donkey duties after donkey duties. For you to get involved and be a part. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask you to help us today. Help us to step into the calling that you have for us. To matter who before you, to live holy life set apart for a child of God. And God, in every arena of our life that we are at today, show us what you want us to do. I know so often we're trying to find our calling, find our calling, find our calling. God, I know that if we have the right heart and we're living holiness, holy lives, and our eyes are open, that the calling, your invitation, will find us. I pray this week we will make it a priority every day to ask God for open doors of opportunities even if it's little because we have no idea the significance of something that we might think that meaningless we have no idea how you plan to use that to make a difference in someone's life in Jesus name Amen